Welcome to Take Up and Read, a bite-sized Bible study podcast on the Sunday Catholic Mass readings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. This Sunday is the second Sunday of Easter in Year C, now also known as Divine Mercy Sunday. In a nutshell, the Divine Mercy devotion is associated with the private revelations of Jesus given to St. Faustina Kowalska, a Polish nun in the early 20th century. Among the messages received by St. Faustina was our Lord's request for a feast devoted to his mercy on the first Sunday after Easter. When St. Pope John Paul II canonized St. Faustina in the year 2000, He fulfilled this request by declaring that this Sunday would henceforth be known as Divine Mercy Sunday. As we will see, this theme was already fitting with this Sunday's Gospel. An authoritative source for more information, including the plenary indulgence that can be obtained on the feast, and St. Faustina's diary, recording her conversations with Jesus, is thedivinemercy.org. thedivinemercy.org. Our first reading is Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16, which is an example of Jesus' promise that, after his resurrection, he who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Like Jesus, the apostles gain a reputation for healing miracles, so much so that even Peter's shadow is known to affect the healing grace brought into the world by the resurrection of Christ. The scene takes place in Solomon's portico, the east side of a colonnade that surrounded the Jerusalem temple's outer courtyard at this time. The theme of signs and wonders is introduced in the preaching of Peter earlier in Acts, chapter 2, verse 19, quoting the prophet Joel, And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath. It recalls the narrative of God's deliverance in the Exodus from Egypt. Only now the miracles manifest God's deliverance from sin through the death and resurrection of his Son. Our psalm this Sunday is Psalm 118, a psalm of rejoicing most fitting for our continuing celebration of the Lord's resurrection. We had a slightly different set of verses for this psalm last Sunday at Easter. Psalm 118 is the last of the halal, or praise psalms, sung at the end of the Passover liturgy. It is likely that this is the hymn we are told the apostles sang before they left the upper room at the Last Supper, and before making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 24 of the psalm sets the tenor of the Easter season. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. The last stanza is applied by Jesus to himself in Matthew 21.42. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done. It is wonderful in our eyes. Particularly relevant to Divine Mercy Sunday is the refrain from the first stanza, His mercy endures forever. This Sunday's second reading is Revelation chapter 1, verses 9-11, through 12-13, and 17-19, through 19, the beginning of St. John's apocalyptic vision. In some translations, the book of Revelation is actually called the Apocalypse of St. John, with the original Greek sense of the term apocalypse as a revealing. While Revelation has things to say about the end of the world, it is not narrowly confined to such prophecy. John's vision in Revelation uncovers the hidden meaning of all things pointing toward Christ, the first and the last, the one who lives. John wrote Revelation during his time of exile on the island of Patmos, 
Patmos is located in the Aegean Sea and was used by the Romans as a penal colony. In John's case, his crime was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the suffering for which he refers to at the beginning of this reading. John is caught up in spirit on the Lord's Day, Sunday, and is traditionally thought to have been celebrating Mass. Indeed, the book of Revelation describes a heavenly liturgy that follows the format of the Mass, beginning with proclamation and ending with the wedding feast of the Lamb. This is the thesis spelled out in Dr. Scott Hahn's book, The Lamb's Supper, if you would like to take a deeper plunge. It is easy to read, and I personally think it's his best book. He has also written a sort of sequel to it, a higher-level work called Letter in Spirit. John is caught up in the spirit and will be transported around to his various heavenly visions, just like in the visions of the prophet Ezekiel. Like in the mystical experiences of other Old Testament prophets, John falls down prostrate in the presence of God. John sees seven golden lampstands, which symbolize the seven churches he will be instructed to write letters to. These lampstands evoke the menorahs of the temple. He then sees Jesus appearing as one like a son of man, powerfully invoking the divine figure in Daniel 7.13, which we have discussed previously on the podcast. He is dressed like the high priest of the Jerusalem temple and performs their duty of tending to the temple's lamps. Jesus proclaims his identity as the eternal one who has conquered death, the first and the last. The keys that he mentioned should remind us of the authority delegated to Peter in Matthew 16, 18 through 19. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Finally, John receives from Jesus his initial instruction for how he is to record the visions that will unfold before him. Our gospel this Sunday is John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, which can be taken in three significant parts. First is Jesus' appearance on the evening of Easter Sunday, when he shows the apostles the open wounds which remain on his glorified body. His sacrifice through redemption of sins accomplished, he then imparts to them his authority to apply it in their apostolic ministry, instituting the sacrament of penance. Jesus breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Jesus' breathing on the apostles makes it clear that they have been transformed by what Catholic theology calls an indelible mark on the soul, ontologically changing them into priests, just as we are changed in baptism and confirmation. This change is signified by the same act by which Adam was transformed from a mold of clay into a living man. This authority to forgive sins is imparted to the ordained ministers of the sacrament and clearly requires their initiative. The idea that individuals can ask for forgiveness of mortal sins in private prayer is very popular and convenient, but it is foreign to the way Jesus established his church and its sacramental order. For more on the Sacrament of Penance, start with paragraph 1422 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The second part of this reading takes place eight days later, which would have been the second Sunday after Easter, which we celebrate today. It is the famous doubting of the Apostle Thomas in Jesus' subsequent appearance to him. Jesus is asking Thomas to put his hands into Jesus' wounds not only directly answers Thomas's skepticism, 
but serves to reiterate that Jesus is raised with a real living body. Contra the Gnostic heresies that flourished during the first few centuries of the church, and even today. The exchange is poignant, with Thomas confessing Jesus' divinity. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to them, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. The third part of this reading is a disclaimer about John's selective editing of his gospel. You may have heard that some scholars think was, this was the original conclusion to John's gospel, with the following chapters being a later edition. It goes beyond the scope of this podcast, but there are serious reasons to doubt that conclusion. Nonetheless, the church has canonized the gospel of John as we have it in its final form, this question being only of academic interest. John is thought to have been written after the three synoptic gospels with the aim of augmenting the material therein. In particular, there are reasons to believe John was written to interface with the Gospel of Mark. That Jesus did many other things not recorded in the Gospels is both obvious and a great source of reflection for the spiritual life. We can rely, however, on the tradition handed down by the Apostles. One saying of Jesus that has been preserved by St. Paul outside the Gospels in Acts 20.35, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Finally, we are told that the disciples had retreated behind the locked doors of the upper room, fearing that the authorities that had conspired to kill Jesus would soon come for his followers. Keep this in mind as we proceed through the Easter season in order to appreciate the marked transformation Jesus' apostles undergo at Pentecost. That's all we have time for today. Let's conclude with a colic from this Sunday's Mass. God of everlasting mercy, who in the very recurrence of the Paschal Feast kindle the faith of the people you have made your own, increase, we pray, the grace you have bestowed, that all may grasp and rightly understand in what font they have been washed, by whose spirit they have been reborn, and by whose blood they have been redeemed. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more and find resources, visit studycatholic.com. And please tell your friends about the show and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Thanks again and God bless.